Masechet Pesachim has been dedicated by Mr. Ike J. Shechebar in honor of his grandparents, Mr. Ike and Jeanette Bibi. We bless Mr. Ike Shechebar, who's been a sponsor of the Dafyomi for many uh, days. They should continue to enjoy success, health, and happiness. May his grandparents also enjoy much nachat from him as well as all their grandchildren and may they only share in semachot for the entire family. Amen. Daf Tzaddi Dalid. Today's daf is being studied in honor of Hilfon ben Regina Malka and Mazal Bat Esther. Hashem Alehim Yehiu. Amen. Today's daf is being studied by Alun Shmat Acham Baruch Rafael Ben Miriam and Avraham Ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. We are beginning on Tzadigimal Amud Bet, and we begin at the Gufa, which is three, four, five, six, seven, eight lines from the bottom. Gufa, we had a statement. Amar Ula, Ezehu Derech Rechokah, what is considered a person that is distant from Yerushalayim, that we say that he's exempt from Pesach Rishon, and we give him a deferment to Pesach Sheni, called She'en Yakol Ikanes B'Sha'at Shechita. So according to Ula, he's far away that he cannot make it to Yerushalayim for the shahita, for the slaughtering of the Qurban Pesach. Which means according to Ula, even though he'd be able to make it for the evening, for the eating of the Qurban Pesach, but he holds he has to be there for the shahita, or he has to be able to get there for the shahita. If he's far away where he cannot get there for the shahita, which is done from midday until sunset, so he is deferred until... Pesach Sheni. The Rav Yehuda Amar. Rav Yehuda says, "Kol she'en yakol ikanes b'shat achila." He has a different chita. He says that no, that when we say derech lechokai has to be far away, where he's not going to be able to reach Yerushalayim for the time of the eating of the korban Pesach. Now, when was the korban Pesach eaten? There's a machloket amongst the Tanaim. Some one opinion holds. Rabbi Akiva, that you can eat the Qurban Pesach until Alot Shahar, From the evening until the next morning, until dawn. Whereas according to Rabbi Al-Azab and Azariah, he says the Qurban Pesach is only eaten until Chatzot, until midnight. And even Rabbi Akiva says, with Rabbanan, the rabbis came along and they pushed back Qurban Pesach from Alot Shahar to Chatzot, in order that a person doesn't uh, go past beyond the time. In any event, so according to Rabbi Yehuda, he holds that if a person is able to, let's say, get to Yerushalayim, not for the Shehita, but is able to get to Yerushalayim by the evening, either by Hatzot, according to Rabbi or Alot Shahar, according to Rabbi Akiva, that's not considered Derech Rehoka. Therefore, he has to go and do Pesach Rishon. Whereas according to Ula, since he can only get there for the evening, he's considered B'derek Rehoka, and he's exempt from Pesach Rishon. So that's the nafkamina between the two opinions. Someone that's able to make it for the evening, Sha'at Akhida, but cannot make it for Sha'at Shehita. Comes the Gemara and says, Amar le the Ula. Rabbah tells Ula, Lididah Kashya. According to you, there's a question. And according to the Yehuda as well, there's a Kasha. 
there's a question. The Amart, because you just said, anybody that cannot enter the time of the Shehita, he's far away, that he cannot be there for the time of the Shehita, he's deferred until Pesach Sheni. But what about a person that became contaminated by a Sheretz? Obviously, someone that's Tamesh on that day, he's like someone that's far away. He cannot enter for the time of the Shaita. And still, what did Oda say? But still, you said what? That you do slaughter for the Tamesh since he'll be viable at night and he'll be able to eat at night. But what do you mean? He's not viable at the time of the Shaita. And your opinion is that somebody that's not viable at the time of the Shaita, he goes to Pesach Shini. And here you tell me a Tamesheret who's also not viable at the time of the Shaita. And you tell him he has to bring it, or they bring it for him and he eats it that night. So that's a question against Ula. Ula Biuda Kasha. There's a question as well against the Biuda. The Amar Koshe'en Yachod Ikanez Bishat Akhira. His opinion was what? And anybody that cannot be there for the time of the Akhilah, he's exempt from Pesach Rishon. But what do you mean? Regarding a Tamesheret, that's somebody that became Tamesheret with the Sheretz, the Yacholi Kanez Bishat Akhilah. He'll be able to enter Bishat Akhilah. I mean, he was only Tamesheret during the day. By the time that the night comes, he's permissible. And you yourself, the Buddha, hold, why not? He's going to be viable in the evening. So just like somebody that is able to make it back for the evening, you bring Pesach Rishon, so a Tamesh Sheret should also be subject to Pesach Rishon. But you said, So we have a question on Ula, according to his opinion, they contradict each other, and according to Rabbi Uda, also his opinions contradict. So the guy was, Amar Les, Ula says, Lo le didi kasha, ve lo le Rabbi Uda kasha. It's not a question, not on me, and not on Rabbi Uda. Le didi lo kasha, for me it's not a question, derech rechoka la tahor, ve en derech rechoka la tamer. Which means like this, the Torah gave two exemptions from Pesach Rishon, or I should say two deferments to Pesach Sheni. And what are those two deferments? Somebody that is Bederich Rechoka, and somebody that is Tameh. Now what does it mean, Derech uh, Rechoka? Somebody that's far away, well obviously he's not going to be able to be there for the Shechita. So he's far away, he's unable to make the uh, Shechita. Good, that's one exemption. And then you have somebody that is Tameh. Now what is Tameh? So the way the Mephashim Nashi explains is, when the Torah says that Tameh is able to be deferred, it's not because he can't make Shahita. Because really, if he wanted, we could have somebody else make the Shahita. And the exemption of a Tameh person is why? Is because he's not able to eat the Qurban uh, uh, Pesach in the state uh, that he is. Which means we're talking about over according to... Well, now, we're not only talking about a Tameh uh, Sheretz, but we're talking about even a Tameh that, let's say, is Tum'at Met, where he's going to be Tameh indefinitely. And therefore, the Torah says, which type of person gets a deferment? That's somebody that was Tahor, but he's just Bederich Rechoka. But somebody that is Tameh, even though, let's say, technically, right now, he's not able to, uh, uh, to do the Shehita. Uh, but uh, according to uh, according to Ula's opinion, Ula's opinion was what? Ula said that when it comes to a Tameh Sheretz, let's review the Shita again, uh, his opinion was, Tameh Sheretz, the Enya Cholikin Shaita, and he says, Shahatim Vizorkin Alav. 
which means you're able to shohet for a tamer. But you have to slaughter for him Pesach Rishon. You have to slaughter for him. What do you mean? But at the time of the Shaita, he's not able to, to be viable. Yeah, but that being viable for Shad Shaita was only said by a by someone that's Rachok, someone that's Baba Derech. That's a Taor guy. But someone that's Tameh, he doesn't get that deferment. Bottom line, he has to bring the Korban Pesach. Uh, of course, others will slaughter for him, and then he'll eat it on that night. So basically, his answer is like the Gemara's Lashon. Derech Rechoka la Tahor. The deferment of Derech Rechoka is only for a Tahor person. The end Derech Rechoka la Tameh. This guy was Tameh. He's like a he's like a Rechok in the sense that he can't bring the Korban. But end Derech Rechoka was not said for a Tameh person. Let's read that inside in Rashi. The Rashi is one, two, three, four, five lines from the Bible. Didi lo kasha. The afagav the derech lechoka patarna lehay the hazel leorta umehayavna legabet hamesher. It's the reason why we said that the derech lechoka is patur from Pesach Rishon. However, a tamesh sheretz is hayav in Pesach Rishon. Hayu tama the derech lechoka tala rachmana petura de tahor. When the Torah said that Derech Rehoka is exempt from Pesach Rishon, he's talking about a Tahor person. He's not able to get there for the Shahita because he's just physically far away. Because when it's talking about Derech Rehoka, it's talking about he's far away where he cannot, he's not able to do the Pesach. Now, even though, let's say, if he continues to walk, he'll get there for the Shahita Achila, Rahmana Patre. That's the exemption of a Rehokah Baderich. Aval, when it comes to somebody who is Tameh, lo tala rahmana petura di de baderich Rehokah. The Tameh is going to do that he's far away. Ela betumah. The reason why he's exempt is because he is Tameh. Now, betamad betumah mishum achilahim. And the reason why he's exempt according to Allah is because he's unable to eat the Qur'an. It's not because he cannot bring the Qur'an. Because if that was the only thing of bringing the Qur'an, you can send this Qur'an The main exemption of Tameh is what? That he's unable to eat. But this Tameh Sheretz, he's able to eat. Why? He'll be able to eat that night. So therefore, Tameh Sheretz is going to be Hayab in what type of Tum'ah did the Torah write? Tameh Nefesh. That's only one that somebody is Tameh from corpse Tum'ah. That's going to be Tameh for seven days. How come the Torah didn't write Tameh Sheretz? And that the teacher, the only exemption is the Tameh Met. That's going to be exemption, going to be, not going to be able to eat because it's going to be Tameh for seven days. But Sheikh Tameh Sheretz. He'll be able to eat that night. And therefore, while we exempted the derech lechoka, but we did not exempt a derech lechoka that's tameh, so to speak. And even though he's close, but he's like a derech lechoka in the sense that he cannot redo the shaita, doesn't matter. For tameh, in such a case, since he's able to eat, he's going to be haya. So that's the opinion of Ula. Gemara continues on Amud Rishon, the Rabbi Yehuda Lakasha. The Rabbi Yehuda, it's not a question either. Tameh Sheretz Rahmanah Dahya. When it comes to Tameh Sheretz, 
the Torah says he cannot bring the Korban which means even though according to Rabbi Yehuda if a person can make it for the Akhilah and he's far away but he can make it for the Akhilah he has to bring Pesach Rishon he can make it for the Akhilah how come he doesn't bring Pesach Rishon we have a special Pasuk to exempt him he says Gezrat Tekatuv why? because it says Ish Ish Ki Yitamel Nefesh this is a person is Tamel Nefesh he has corpse Tumah now Corpse Tumah can be, he's the first day of the Tumah, the second day of the Tumah, the third day. It could even be the seventh day. Now the seventh day of the Tumah, by that night he'll be viable. And so what is the Torah saying? He's exempt. So the says, Are we also talking about a guy who's Tamir? That his seventh day fell out on Ere Pesah, and still Amar Rahmana, literally. And so the Torah said, what? Push it off. And therefore, so to a Tameh Sheritz is like a Tameh Met on the seventh day, where he's going to be viable that night. And so the Torah saying, Push it off. So the Yudah says, I have a Gizratik Atuv, that's what? That says, somebody that is Tameh in the present, even though he'll be Mutad that night, is going to be exempt from Pesah Rishon. However, somebody that's Bederik Rechokah, that's far away, that's able to make it back for the Shahat Akhira in the Khaname is going to be Hayaf. So there's a difference between Dirik Rahoka and some of that is Tameh. Tanu Rabana we have a Braita. Hayah omeh khutsta mudi'im. Let's say he was outside of Mudi'im. According to that opinion that we learned in the Mishnah, that that is the cutoff point of Dirik Rahoka. He's 15 meals away from Yerushalayim. The Yaqod Kanesh Pesusim Piradim. However, if the fellow wants, he can technically get into Yerushalayim with horses or mules. Meaning he can get himself a horse, a speedy horse or a mule that goes fast, and he'll be able to get to Yerushalayim for the Qurban Pesach. Yachol Yehayav, if such a guy Hayav, Tamud Domar Ubderech Lo Hayah. The Torah says, who's Hayav Karet? Only somebody that was not on the road. And this guy was on the road. I don't care if he has transportation to get back. Bottom line, at the time of the Quran Pesach, he was far away. Even though technically if he wanted to get on a speedy horse, he can get back, doesn't matter. Torah says, who gets karet? Someone that was not on the derech. Was this guy on the derech? Yeah, bottom line, he was on the derech. Therefore, he's exempt from Pesach Rishon. We give another case. Let's say he was close. He was uh, within Modi'im. So he was close to Yerushalayim. But he cannot get to Yerushalayim because of the inconveniences of the camels and the carriage caravans that he has. Meaning he has his family with him. And therefore, since he has a lot of uh, uh, you know, trouble with his family, it's very difficult for him to make it to Yerushalayim in time. Now, even though he's within the borders. You think this guy's not going to be Hayab? He is going to be Hayab. Why? The Pasuk says, who's exempt from Qurban Pesach? Or, I'm sorry, who is somebody that is, uh, is uh, going to be guilty? Somebody that was what? That was not on the Derech. Which means he was not on the Derech. And this guy was not on the Derech. When the Torah says a person's Hayaf Karet, who's Hayaf Karet? Some that was there in Yerushalayim, he wasn't on the Derech. Was this guy on the Derech? No, he wasn't on the He was close to Yerushalayim. He just gave himself an excuse not to go in because of his children and he has a lot of inconvenience. It doesn't matter. The Torah says only somebody that was on the derech is exempt from Pesach Rishon. But somebody that was not on the derech is going to be Hayav. 
Bottom line, this guy was within the boundaries of Mudi'im. Is he on the derech? No, he's not far away, he's within. Yeah, but I can't get in because I have the troubles and the, the carriages and the wagon. Doesn't matter. The only exemption is somebody that was on the derech. You were not on the derech, you were close. Therefore, you're going to be hayab. What should he have done? He should have made an effort and uh, got in anyway. So that's basically the Gemara's point of it that if a guy is far, he's always exempt. And if a person's close, he's always guilty, he's always hayab. And the guy's far, we don't tell him you should have taken a horse. And a guy that's close, we don't tell him, well, we understand you're inconvenient, you had a lot of family with you, so it was difficult. No, it depends if you were close or far. And now we uh, go to the uh, next sugya. Now I want to just give you an introduction. This is a very, very... Uh, difficult sugya to understand on even a simple pshat level, <clears throat> all the more so on a deeper level. It's clear that a lot of the things that we're going to read now <clears throat> are not agreed to by modern science. Of course, our hachamim were fluent and expert in the sciences, as we have many proofs throughout the Talmud and the Zohar. However, Hakamim many times when they discussed the sciences, they were discussing it on a spiritual, metaphysical level. They weren't explaining it according to the reality of the things that happened. They were understanding it on a different level. That's the way the Maharal, for example, understands this Gemara. So even though you're going to see things and you say, oh, that's not the way it works, the Hakamim really were talking very, very cryptically, and they were discussing it on a much deeper level than meets the eye. And uh, for us, we're just going to try to read it uh, according to the simple level, just to understand the words, what they were trying to convey. And you have uh, uh, food for thought to delve into it, Bezat Hashem, one day to understand, we should be zokheh, to understand the depths of what they were trying to say. And now we begin. The Gemara says, Ama Rava, Rava says, Shita alfe parse have alma. Which the way they're explaining here is that the sun, as it passes over the world from east to west, it is 6,000 parsaot. Which means that's the circuit. From sunrise to sunset, it takes the distance of 6,000 parsaot. Now, uh, according to uh, the... uh, Conversion, a parsa ranges anywhere between, let's say, two to three miles. So therefore, 6,000 parsaot can be up to 18,000 miles uh, the, uh, the distance. That's uh, according to the numbers we're giving now. That's the space or the distance the sun travels over the world from east to west on a given day. Now, the thickness of the rakia, of the firmament or of the sky, is a thousand parsaot. Now what does this mean, the thickness of the sky? The way the Hakabim understood, the way the sun uh, rises and sets is it starts in the east. Right? It travels 6,000 parsaot over the world and of course sets in the west. At that point, it enters the Rakia. The Rakia is the sky. Let's imagine what the Gemara says here. The thickness of the sky is a thousand parsaot. 
It's like entering a box. The sun enters this box called the rakia, and the thickness is the thousand parasaot. Once it gets through this thousand parasaot thickness, then already it's dark. Then already you have tzitakokhavim, then it's, uh, it's night. Then the sun goes over the world in this firmament and travels west to east all the way back to the other side, comes down, enters the thickness again of the rakia on the other side, on the eastern side, and that's when already you start to see the, the light come up, and then at sunrise it exits that thousand uh, parsa thickness of firmament, and then you have the same process every day. So Rabbi is telling us two uh, facts of it. Number one, the span of the sun east to west is 6,000 parsaot, and the thickness of the uh, rakia that it enters at sunset and enters at sunrise is also 1,000 parsaot. Where did he know this from? So the Gemara says, Hada Gemara. One of the things that he said, meaning the 6,000 parsaot, that already had a tradition. Vehada Sevara. And regarding the thickness of the firmament of a thousand, that already was from his own sabara. That was from his own uh, reasoning. Now, what was the reasoning? Savar la If you remember, we learned on the previous daf an opinion of Rabbi Hanan, which was what? Adam Benuni Bayom. He said, "How much does a person, normal person, walk during the course of the day uh, from, let's say, sunrise?" The sun said, how much does a person walk? So we said, Esir Parsaot. It's not actually sunrise to sunset, as we'll see. It's really earlier, it's from really dawn until Sintagram, as we'll see in a second. But he said that a person could walk during the course of the day, 10 Parsaot. How much is each Parsa? 4 meal. That means a person is able to walk 40 meal a day. Now, and we also said in the name of uh, Rabbi Adam, where we explained it was, that a person walks, walks from Alot, Tashar, from dawn until sunrise, five meal. And from sunset, from Shekiyat to Siddiq Ravim, five meal. And therefore, from sunrise to sunset, he actually walks 30 meal. Okay, so let's analyze this ourselves for a second. So from sunrise to sunset, that's when the sun is going across the firmament. That takes 30 meal, right? And then when it finally sets in the west, right, until it gets dark, it takes five meal. Right? So that means it's crossing through the thickness of the rakia in a distance of five meal. Now the ratio between when the sun uh, spans from east to west to when it goes uh, through the firmament, and those five meal is obviously a ratio of six to one. Because it's 30 meal during the day, and it's five meal during sunset, until Sitra Kavim. 30, 5 to 30 is a ratio of 1 to 6, or 6 to 1, correct? Now we know already from tradition that the amount of space that it spans from east to west is 6,000 parsaot, and that's 30 mil. So therefore it must be in 5 mil, it spans 1,000. So therefore from there we learn that the thickness of the sky must be 1,000 parsaot. The Gemara says this, as we said, from sunrise to sunset is, uh, from sorry, from, 
from dawn until sunrise is five meal. From sunset, the Siddur Karim is five meal. Nimsa'ov achat mishisha bayom. It comes out that the thickness of the sky is one-sixth of the day. And since the day we're saying is 6,000, so one-sixth of a thousand is a thousand, one-sixth of six thousand is a thousand, and therefore that's the way he deduced Mesavarah, the thickness of the sky. Again, so he's holding that while the sun is visible from sunrise to sunset, and it, it's also visible from uh, sunset until set, it still, you still see some rays, and then once it goes through that thousand area of thickness, the sun gets uh, eclipsed, and you can't see it anymore, and it goes all the way back above the sky to the up to the other side, and comes back through that thickness again. That's when you start seeing the rays in the morning, and then by sunrise the sun actually comes out on the uh, surface. So that's the opinion of Rava. Comes again and says, Now we're going to challenge the view of Rava. Gemara is going to challenge it from many. Uh, different places, three or four different questions they're going to ask on Baba. Let's begin. Metive, the first challenge from a Brighta. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda said, Rabbi Yehuda says that the thickness of the sky is one tenth of the day. Let me explain to you Rabbi Yehuda's opinion outside, and then we'll, then we'll read it inside. Rabbi Yehuda argues on the premise that we've been saying till now. He holds that from dawn until sunrise, it's not five meal, it's only four meal. And from sunset until Siddhartha, it's not five meal, it's only four meal. And therefore he holds that from sunrise to sunset, it's 32 meal. And then you have the four on both sides, so that would bring it to 40. So he agrees to the number of 40 a day. He just argues in how you break it down. Now, if that's the ratio, comes out that the ratio is going to be not 6 to 1, but it's going to be 8 to 1, which means 32 from east to east to west, compared to the 4 that it takes to, from sunset until uh, So therefore, it's not going to, it's going to be an eighth of uh, 6,000, instead of being a sixth of 6,000. So it doesn't come out to like 750. Means, so therefore, according to him, the thickness of the firmament, according to this uh, calculation, would be 750. So therefore, they're questioning, uh, they're questioning um, the opinion of Rava. How could you tell me that it's, it spans 6,000 and then the other one is only a, a thousand thick? And you're basing it on what the Yohanan taught that it's 6 to 1 ratio. That's not so, because we see a Braita. Now, Braita is a Tanaic source. Let's read the Braita inside. The Yavarah says, the thickness of the sky is one-tenth of the day. Now, it's really not one-tenth of the day, it's really one-eighth of the day. When it says one-tenth, it means over here that if the whole day is 40, right, from dawn until, uh, until uh, the stars come out, so that thickness area is one-tenth of the entire 40. But it's really an eight-to-one ratio to the day to the night, from east to west, from sunrise to sunset, to that time that it goes to the firmament. And anyways, stay down. He says, I'll prove it to you. Again, how much does a person walk during the course of the day? Ten, which is forty, mil. But he holds that from 
Alot Hashar until Netzah is only four meal. Shikat Amav is Tchumim Arbaat Mili. And from Shikia until Sit is only four meal. And Sit on Yosher Rakia, Echad Nasarabayov comes out that the uh, thickness of the sky is one tenth of the day, which means if today is forty, so this is four. Four compared to the thirty-two is uh, eight to one ratio, which means it's going to be less than what you calculated. Ravah and Ravah cannot argue on a Tanaic source. It's a question on. First of all, this is a refutation to Rava. Meaning, that's a um, refutation as well. It's also a refutation because Ula also subscribed to the opinion of Rava, which means when Rava made his uh, statement uh, about the uh, thickness of the uh, sky, it was also the opinion of. Ula, where did we see that Ula had this opinion? Right, could be we saw it on the uh, the other Amud when we talked about how much a person walks in the course of the day. Right, when we gave the opinion of uh, how far you uh, are you away from Yerushalayim and how they came to that conclusion of 15 meal, so it was based on the fact that a person walks during the course of the day 30 meal. And now you're telling me that a person walks 32 meals. So it's a question on Ula as well. So we knocked out Rava with this right hand and Tiyufta against Ula. So it goes, Tiyufta de Rava, Tiyufta de Ula, Tiyufta. The Gemara says it is a refutation, we can't answer it. The Gemara says, Lema Tevet Tiyufta de Yohanan. Well, you know what? Maybe it's a question on the Yohanan as well. Because it was the Yohanan that said a person walks 10 parasaot a day. Correct? So the way we understood it was 30 from sunrise to sunset, and then five on the on, on the beginning and the end. So this is a question on Rabbi Yohanan. So Rabbi Yohanan will answer. Rabbi Yohanan, it's not a question. I never told you how to break it down. I just told you a person walks 40, uh, 10 parts hour, just 40 mil. They misinterpreted me, and therefore they broke it down as 30 and 5 and 5. But that's not the explanation. He's going to explain like this. He says, you know what their misinterpretation was? The misinterpretation was like this. They saw that by sunrise, people already had been five meal uh, into their journey. So they said, oh, it must be that from Alot until sunrise is five meal. He said, that's their mistake. He said, because people usually start one meal before Alot Shahar. And therefore, if they're getting five meal into their journey by sunrise, they traveled one before Alot and four from Alot until sunrise. And therefore, it is indeed four. And people usually also travel one meal after Siddiqul Khabib. So when he saw the rabbis, oh, I see people uh, traveling five more meals. Yeah, but you're not following. It's four meals from sunset until Tzit. And then from said they travel in Asia. So it's truly, again, 32 during the day, and 4 and 4 on the corners. So Rabbi Yohanan says exactly what I was saying. So they, well, there is no question. I mean, they misinterpreted how to break down my uh, calculation. But in truth, it's the same calculation as the Braitha said. And let's read that inside. will say, I was talking about... Uh, how much a person could walk, for example, 40 milin in a day. It was the rabbis that they came along, meaning Ula and Rava, they uh, made a miscalculation in how to break it down. 
And the source of the error was is that they counted the extra meal that a person goes early, the kadma, the hashka. They thought that that extra meal is from dawn. They didn't realize that that extra meal is really before dawn. It's not supposed to be calculated. Like they just figured this out. By sunrise, we see a person raise five meal in. Oh, so he probably started from uh, from dawn. No, he started before dawn, and therefore it's one one meal until dawn, and then four meal after. So therefore, their mistake was what the hashban, the kadman, They calculated the early meal and the later meal, and uh, they should have separated it from the shiur. Okay, comes again. Quran says lema teveti the Rabbi Hanina. Oh, if you remember, we said on the previous day, of Hanina said, "What's the proof that from dawn to sunrise is five meal?" From the story of Lot, it says one of the angels that says they rushed Lot outside of Sedom, and that was by Lot Shahar. And when the sun rose, already he was in Soar. Rabbi Hanina said, "I saw the distance between uh, Sedom and Soar, and it is indeed." Uh, five meal. So you see over here that what uh, you have a problem because we're saying it is four meal. So comes again what says, "Lo, they have no proof." Vayaitsu shane. The pasuk says over there, "Vayaitsu," which means what they hurried him, they rushed him out, and therefore uh, a person hurrying certainly is able to cover more ground and therefore really I'll tell you a normal person walking he can only get to four uh, four meal right oh, but the distance between Sedom and and uh, Sohar is five meal and it says they took him from Alot Ashar until Mitz of course but Yaisu they were rushing if you rush you go fast you can get to five there was no question Adam Harina as well comes to Gemara now and brings a uh, another uh, subject, Tashema. We have a Blaita. Misraim hi arba meot parsa al arba meot parsa. The land of Egypt is 400 parsa by 400 parsa. That's the area of the country. Umisraim ehad mishishim bekush. This country of Kush is 60 times bigger than Egypt. And the world is 60 times bigger than Kush. Now, that we talk about Gan Eden, there's two areas, there's Gan and there's Eden. Gan, the garden, is 60 times larger than the world. And Eden is 60 times larger than Gan. And Gehinam is 60 times larger than Eden. That shows you how big Gehinam is. And the Gemara says, Nimsa It comes out that the whole entire world is like a pot cover to Gehinam. Which means, usually the pot is very wide, and the cover is 
Narua. And therefore the world is like a pot cover to cover the wide uh, space of Geinam. Now, according to this uh, computation that we're saying over here, that the world is 60 times 60 of Egypt. Because we're saying that uh, Egypt is 400 pasa by 400 pasa. Kush is 60 times that, and the world is 60 times that. That's 60 times 60. Now, that is obviously a, um, a great area. It comes out to uh, 576 million square parsaot, according to this. And uh, obviously, um, the circumference is going to come to about 42,500 parsaot. Whereas Rava came along and said that the circumference is at 6,000 from sunrise to sunset. Here we're seeing it's much larger than that. And therefore, uh, the Gemara is asking another question from a Braita against the opinion of Rava. And indeed, that is a refutation. The Gemara is going to refute him from another source. Tashema, come and listen to a proof from a Braita. The Tana de Beliau. We have a Braita that was taught from the Academy of Eliyahu. It's a Mahloket, who this Eliyahu is. Some say there was a Tana called Eliyahu. And the Hida says, no, whenever it says Tana de Beliau, it's referring to Eliyahu and Navi. That after he went up to Shawaim, he came down again and he taught certain teachings. To the rabbis. In any event, we have a bright in the name of the Yahweh Rabbi Natan, Rabbi Natan says, Kol Yishuv Echad Yoshev. The entire civilization lies under one star. Which means they're trying to say that wherever the civilization, meaning where human beings live on the planet, wherever they go, whether they travel to the far east or they go to the far west, they're always going to see the same star, which implies that the star is much larger <coughs> than the civilization. Because no matter where you go, you're always being covered over by that same star, as the Gemara says. Tehdah will prove it to you. The person just fixes his eyes, let's say, on one star. He goes to the east, the star remains opposite him. If he walks in any direction of the four corners of the world, so that it still remains opposite him. Must be under one star. Now, the yeshuv, the settlement of where people live in the world, as she says, is a thousand parsaot. Let's say that's where the not the world itself, but that's where the the people, the people are. Uh, settled. Okay? That's the why he explains it. Now, if the entire civilized portion of the world is no wider than the diameter of a, uh, a single star. Now, he says like this, since the civilized world is clearly more than a thousand parsaot across, and since one star is as large as the entire civilized world, and since there are obviously many thousands of stars in the sky, across which the sun makes its circuit, so therefore the sun must travel many more thousands of parsah than a mere 6,000. Because when the sun travels across the sky, it's passing many stars. It's not only passing one star. And therefore, how could you tell me that it's only traveling a circuit of 6,000? If, if one star 
right, over the civilized area, which is, let's say, more than a thousand parasaot, that's in the same spot. That's only one star over the civilized area. Then you have the rivers, and you have the lakes, and you have the midbarot, you have the, the other areas of the world, or you have the, according to us, the way that the world is, is round. So you have the, the hollow, uh, the, the, the space, you know, on the sides of the earth. In any way, there's much more stars that the sun crosses by. So therefore, if in the civilized world itself it's only one star, which is, the civilized world is about a thousand, or a little more than a thousand, or the more so, it must pass many stars, and therefore must be much, much larger than Rava's calculation. So therefore, the Gebra says, Tiyufta. Gebra has another refutation according to Rava. Now Gebra continues. Tashema will bring another question to Rava from a writer. Now we're discussing here the constellations. There's a constellation called Taurus, which is Igla. The reason why they call it Igla, because if you look at the constellation or the configuration of the stars, it looks like a calf. It's in the, it's in the shape, the stars form into the shape of a calf. So therefore they call it Igla. The Akrav, Akrav is scorpion, but Darum. Which is, if you look at the equator of the world, uh, you'll always see that uh, Akrav is north of the equator. Sorry, Taurus, Egla is north of the equator, and um, Scorpio, which is Akrav, is south of the equator. That's the way the constellations in their orbit. That's the way they are positioned. That uh, the north is always Egla, and the south of the equator is always uh, Akrav. So and the entire civilization lies between uh, those two constellations, between Taurus and Scorpio. Now, it takes the sun but an hour to pass over the civilization. And the sun passes over each one of the twelve constellations. Every hour it passes through another constellation. And one of the constellations, when it comes through Earth, so it takes an hour, let's say, it goes to over Earth. Over Earth. What does it mean over Earth? Kibbutz explains. In the fifth hour, if you look at the sun, where is the sun? It's towards the east. Right? So it's not over the Earth yet. It's towards the east. In the seventh hour, where is the sun? It's already... Over the earth, it's in the west. So what is the sun exactly overhead? So it says, Which means from 11.30 to 12.30, that's in the middle of the 6th to the middle of the 7th, That's when the sun is directly overhead. Now, that's only one hour of the orbit of the sun. So therefore, if that's only one hour of it, but it's passing through from the east, from the morning, all the way to the middle, it's one hour, two hours, three hours, it gets to the middle, the, the six week, to that hour, and then it goes another six, but the Yishuv is only, let's say, a thousand of those parsaot. And therefore it has to be at least twelve thousand parsaot, because it's traveling from all the way to the east, all the way to the west. So it's at least twelve, it's twelve times a thousand. And therefore it's much more than, it's double than what Ramah said. So the Gemara says, whatever the civilized world is, that's the point, it's 12 times more. 
So comes the Gemara and says, Ti Yufta. So therefore, this must be a question also on Rava. Comes the Gemara and brings another refutation to Rava. Tashema de'amar Abban Yohanan ben Zakai. Abban Yohanan ben Zakai taught. Ma teshuva shivato batko leotorashah. What did the heavenly voice, they call the heavenly voice a batkul, what did that voice answer the wicked man Nebuchadnezzar? Besha'ah she'amar, when Nebuchadnezzar said, Nebuchadnezzar in his arrogance said, I am going to ascend over the top of the clouds and I'm going to make myself like God. Which means he compared himself to God. What did God answer Nebuchadnezzar when he made this challenge? The heavenly voice came out and said to him, Rasha ben Rasha, wicked man, the son of a wicked man, ben beno shel Nimrod Rasha, a great grandson or grandson of Nimrod Rasha. It's not to be taken literally. It means, I'm uh, say an example, meaning you're in the same way as Nimrod Rasha. That what? Shemri did kol alam kolo alad malchuto. Just like Nimrod, he led a rebellion against God. If you remember in the time of Nimrod, they built the, ba- the Tower of Babel. What was that Tower of Babel? To go fight God in the heavens. So he says, you're taking the same, uh, the same path. God tells, uh, the, the heavenly voice came out and said, How long does a person live for? 70 years. And if he has strength, he makes it to 80 years. Like the Pasuk says, Shneemar, Yemesh, Shenatenu Ba'em, Shivaim Shana, Ve'im Begmurot, Shimonim. And if he has strength, he gets Shimonim Shana. Now God says, Mina Aris, Adla Rakia, how far is it to go from the earth until the first Rakia, to the first heaven? Ma'alak Hamesh Mu'achana. It would take a person, if he walks, it would take him 500 years to walk from the earth to the first Rakia. And the thickness of the Rakia is, again, a 500-year walk. And between the Rakia to the second Rakia is also a 500-year walk. For that matter, between each of the seven Rakiaim, there's also a 500-year walk. Which altogether comes out, there's 15 times 500. How? You have to go from the earth until the first rakia. And then you have to go 500 years within the first rakia, which is its thickness. Okay? Then you have to go between each one of the seven rakiyim and the rakia itself. Until you get to the top one, that'll get you to 14. And then you have to go another 500 that takes you to the Malachim. So therefore, it's 15 times 500 years of walking just to get to the level of the Malachim. So God says, and you think you're going to rise up to the clouds to, 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 to me? How long do you live? A human being lives 70, 80 years. You won't even make it to the first Rakiyah. And the Gemara says, "Ach el Sheol Turad el Yarketebor." Rather, you are, <coughs> but you, but the netherworld will you be brought down to the depths of the pit? Which means instead you're not going up, Nebuchadnezzar. You're actually going down. You're going down to the Gehenna. In any event, 
according to this calculation, it comes out the following. The Gemara Hagigah says that the distance between the world, the earth, and the uh, and the heaven, which we're saying now is 500 years walking, is the same distance of the earth from east to west. The Gemara says in Hagigah it's equidistant, which means the same distance of the earth is the same distance from uh, you know from the earth to the Rakia. Now, according to that calculation, a 500 year walk. Now, how long does it take a person, based on our calculation, where we said a person walks 10 parsaot a day? So now, if each, each uh, year is 365 days, and he works 10 parsaot a day for 500 years, how many parsaot is that going to be? So it comes out 1,825,000 parsaot. And this obviously contradicts Rava. Rava said that the Malach is only 6,000 parsaot. And here we're seeing over here that the world is much larger than that. And therefore, uh, the Gemara refutes Rava once again. And now the Gemara goes on to a new point where the Chachamim and the uh, Gentile sages, we'll call them, that's the Chachme Umot they had an argument in uh, the astronomy. And what is their argument? Tanur Abanam. Chachme Yisrael Omrim, the Jewish sages say, Galgal kavua umazalot chozrin. The Hachme umotaolam umrim galgal chozer umazalot kivuin. Just to explain this again in the simplest of terms, whoever wants to go into this uh, in depth can uh, see the uh, uh, the notes and all the different uh, fig- configurations, but for our purposes, so this shi'ur, we explain it as follows. When the Gemara says a galgal kavua, we understand as if a galgal is a wheel. As if there's a wheel, right? We look at the spheres in the heaven as if it's a wheel. And in the wheel you have the 12 constellations. Now the mahlokir is, what is moving? Is the wheel moving and the constellations are remaining uh, stagnant? Or is it the wheel is stagnant and the constellations themselves are moving? So there we have a mahluk between Hakamim and the Hakamim uh, Mutawalam. And the Gibra says, Galgal Kavua, Kotra Hakamim, the wheel is stagnant, Umazalot Hazrin. And the Mazalot themselves, they move. Now they don't spin uh, in a circle, but it seems that the sun goes through each one of the Mazalot. So it says, according to the Hakamim, each Mazal moves a little, so to speak, to pass the sun into the Next mazal. So it moves a little, and then chuzrin. It goes back to its original space. And then it goes to the next mazal, and then the sun goes through it. passes the sun to the next one, and moves back. So it doesn't orbit. Each, all of the um, constellations, they stay basically fixed. They just move a little. Uh, uh, so even when it says, Galgal mazot chuzrin, the mazalot, uh, they revolve slightly... And return to their place. Where the Hakimah Motawalam say no. Galgal Hozer. They said the actually the wheel of the zodiac turns. And according to them, it makes actually uh, full revolutions. 
So then what's the big machlok exactly what's going on in the heavens? So comes the Gemara and says, Amar Rabbi, Rabbi said, I can refute their uh, their opinion. How? According to them, that they're saying that the wheel uh, uh, is actually turning and it's moving all the constellations, then how come we never see Egla uh, in the south and Egla in the north? We always see that, like we learned, Egla is always in the north and Egla is If it's turning, it's going to turn the constellation, you're going to see it uh, the opposite. So therefore, from the fact that Agla is always in the north and Agla uh, is always in the south, you see that the constellations themselves are not moving like the Hakamim. Kazakhiwaran says no. But Kifla Rav Haber Yaakov, Rav Haber Yaakov says no, that's not a proof. Perhaps the two spheres rotate like the blade of a mill or like the pivot of a door. Which he's saying like this. Maybe we're understanding it wrong with the Hakimel Motaulam said. Maybe there's the uh, Galgal, there's the wheel. the wheel, and the wheel has the zodiacs, the twelve zodiacs in them. And we're understanding that the sun is in that same wheel of the zodiacs. Maybe it's not so. Maybe there's another sphere around that uh, wheel, and that's where the sun is. And it is the outer wheel that is turning. And therefore it's moving the sun through the zodiac, but the inner wheel is remaining stationary. stationary. And that's what the Hakim and Wata'ala meant. When they meant that the Galgal is uh, Hoser, or the Galgal is moving, they meant the outer Galgal, just like the stones on a millstone. There's two stones, there's the bottom stone which remains stationary, and there's the top stone that turns. Or if the bottom stone moves, the top stone remains stationary. There's only, only one stone moves at a time. Or the pivot of a door, which means the, the bottom remains, uh, the lintel or the door that remains stationary, and the door spins on it. Or, or the opposite. But the point is only one that is moving at a time. The way explains it over here is, and just as a door can swing free of the lintel or the lintel free of the door, depending on how you look at it. The point is they're not both moving. So therefore the sun can be in a separate sphere, and then it is moving around in that sphere while the galgal of the mazot is remaining stationary. Therefore they never move. That's why you always see Aguilar in the north, and you always see Akrab uh, in the south. Comes the Gemara and continues. Hachme Yisrael Omnim. The sages of Israel said, Bayom Hama Mehalechet Lemata Menarakia. That by the day the sun travels below the vault of the firmament, which we, that's how you, you see the sun, it goes underneath the Rakia. And as we learned, in the evening it goes through the thickness of the firmament and goes up and all the way back to the east and through the thickness of the firmament again. So at night the sun goes above. Again, in the day the sun is below the Rakia. The firmament, but they learn that the sun goes underneath the rakia and then comes up again from the eastern side. So, everybody look at where does the sun go at night? Does the sun go up above the earth or does it go below? Amar Rabbi, so Rabbi came along and said, in intellectual honesty, Rabbi said their words 
seem more reasonable than our words. Why? Because at night or in the day, the ma'ayanot, the wellsprings, are cold. And at night, the wellsprings are warm. Because why? The sun is going underneath. So that causes the, the heat, causes the water from underneath now or above it to become hot. So therefore, he says, it seems they're right. According to us, why at night is the, is the waters warmer if the sun is going from on top? And uh, this is not only a discussion in science, but because of this Gemara, there's a famous opinion of Rabbi Eliezer bin Metz regarding the laws of Pesach. There's a law that says that the water for Pesach that you knead the dough with, it has to be cold water. They usually say, Mayim Shelanu. The water, it says that, stayed overnight. Why? Because they have to be cold. So the Bilaizim Emet says, When do you need Mayim Shelanu? That's only if you drew it after sunset. Because if you draw it after sunset, the water is warm. Because the sun is going underneath. And therefore you have to let it rest overnight in order for it to get cold. But if you draw it before sunset when the water is cold, because the sun didn't get underneath it, you can use it immediately. So you see already, there was halachic ramifications that come out from this uh, Gemara, whether the sun goes from on top or from beneath. Comes the... Comes the Gemara and continues. Again, there's different mahluk and exactly what the Rabbi uh, was uh, doing over here uh, when he said Was he coming to support the view of the Goyim against us? So, um, there's different opinions over here. Some say that as well as the Rambam uh, hold that he actually uh, meant to agree with the Gentile sages. Well, others come along and say that, no, that we're right, but they have uh, reason on their side. But they're still wrong, but uh, there's, uh, there's logic, logic to, to, to what they're saying. If they want to uh, have a, that's the opinion of uh, Rabbeinu Tam. He quotes over here that from here, Rabbeinu Avraham ben Alambam pointed out that you see the intellectual honesty of the sages. That uh, when they felt somebody else was right, they, 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 it seems that they're more correct than us. Obviously, he took the opinion of his father that he was saying that they were right and we were wrong. Tanya, we have a bright says, In the summer, the sun travels high in the sky. That's why the whole world is hot in the summer months. And the well springs which are underneath, the springs are cool. And the winter, the sun travels low in the sky. So the world, based on the angle of the sun, is colder. And the well springs which are lower are obviously hot. The sun travels four paths in the course of the year. Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, in those three months. Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, which we would call the spring. So the sun moves through the mountains. Why? In order to melt the snows of the winter. Tammuz, Avelul, 
Tammuz Av Ve'elul, we would call that the summer. So Me'alechet Ba'yishuv. So it moves through the civilization. K'deh le'bashilet ha'perot in order to ripen the crops. Tishrei Marhajvan Ve'chislev, we would call that autumn. Me'alechet Ba'yamin. So it travels through the oceans. K'deh le'yabeshet ha'perot in order to dry out the rivers. Tevet Shvat Ve'adar, we would call that the winter months. Me'alechet Ba'midbar, it travels through the desert. Shelo le'yabeshet ha'zera'im, in order that it should not dry out the seeds that are germinating. Okay, so that's basically the suga of Shita Parsa Alma. Now we go back to our uh, suga that we had in the Mishnah. And the Mishnah said, If you remember, we had a machloket in the Mishnah. What is considered far uh, that one is exempt from Pesach Rishon and he has a deferment to Pesach Sheni. What's considered Derek Rehoka? So we learned the first Shita of the Mishnah said 15 mil, meaning he's by Mudi'in. According to the B, Eliyahu, he said no. If he's outside the threshold of Dazara, Dazara is where they brought the Qurban. If a person finds himself outside the Azara, finished, he's considered far away, and he's able to bring Pesach Sheni. So Kazi Gibran says, Even though technically he could just go in. And we don't tell him, We don't tell him, hey, go in. Which means you could argue and say, hey, this guy has no exemption. Just because the guy is standing outside, he's bihayaf karet. He should be hayaf karet if he doesn't bring the Quran. Why? Because we could tell the guy, kum go in. You're right there. You're not far away. So from here, you see the bin as it holds. Even though a person technically has the potential to go in, still, since he's not in the azara itself, he still is deferred to pesach sheni. We don't tell the guy kum go and enter. Kavzik Yabaran says, what do you mean? V'hatanya, we have a bright against this. Yehudi Arel. You have a Jewish person that was uncircumcised. Shilomal. Anosh Karet. His punishment is Karet, meaning Erev Pesach is not circumcised. Now an uncircumcised fellow cannot bring Kurban Pesach. The Bidi Aizen says, that person is going to get Karet. Why? He's exempt. The Bidi Aizen. You know why the Bidi Aizen says that? Because we tell the guy, Kum, Kum, Mal, go, go, Mal yourself. So therefore the question is, why when it comes to the guy that's uncircumcised, we tell the guy, since it's in your ability to fix your situation, and you don't, you're guilty. This case also, the guy's outside Yerushalayim, he has the ability to fix it, outside not Yerushalayim, he's outside the Azara, he has the ability to fix himself. Why in this case is it, as it say, he's exempt? What's the difference between the Arel and the guy that is Hutz La Azara? Amar Abaye Abaye says Derech lechoka latahor Ve'en derech lechoka latameh Which is a similar answer that we gave On the previous daf Which we said The derech lechoka was set for a tahor person She says when a person is tahor And he's outside even the azara You're considered exempt That's an exemption that Torah gives However if a person let's say is tameh He's close to Yerushalayim but he's similar in the sense that what? He can't go into the Azara. The exemption of Derech Lechoka was not said to a Tameh person. Which means if he has the ability to Mitahir uh, himself, for example, he has the obligation to Mitahir himself. Similarly in Aril. An Aril is like a Tameh. He can't go into the Azara 
he doesn't have the heter of derech lehoka. His reason why he can't go into the Hazara is because he's not circumcised. That guy we say what? Circumcise yourself. And therefore you have a uh, no excuse. And therefore you're going to get karet. So the derech lehoka was only said by a tahor, but was not said either by a tame or a arel. Okay? Comes the Gemara and continues. Right, let's just read that in Rashi again. Let's read Rashi Derek Lechokats. One, two, three, four, five lines down. Derek Lechokats. Derek Lechokats patra et tahor. Right, the person is tahor and he's far away. He's part two from Kurban Pesach. Darehu be Derek Lechokats. The Chutz Ta'azara Derek Lechok Mekri. And even if he's uh, outside the Azara, it's considered Derek Lechokats. The Alfirim Berichok Makob de Maaser. We're going to learn this from Maaser in a moment. What's the deal of Maaser Sheni? The law is that if a person, let's say, in the first, in the second, in the fourth, in the fifth years of the Shemitah, he has to bring 10% of his fruit up to Yerushalayim and eat it in Yerushalayim. But let's say the fruit is too heavy for him to carry from his house to Yerushalayim, so he's able to do pidyon. He's able to transfer the Kedushah of the Maaser to a coin, and he takes up the money to Yerushalayim, and in Yerushalayim he spends it on food, and he eats the food in Yerushalayim. So the question is, where are you allowed to make Pidyon? So the deen is, you're only allowed to make Pidyon outside Yerushalayim. Because once you're in Yerushalayim, already you're subject to the laws of Maaser, so Pidyon must be made outside Yerushalayim. So the Gemara is going to say like this, Just like, it says in the Pasuk by Maaser that if you're far away, what does far away mean? Far away from where? The Kashrut of Maaser is. Where's the Kashrut of Maaser? In the walls of Yerushalayim. Also, so to Makurban Pesah, what's considered far away? Wherever the Kashrut of the Qurban is. Where's the Kashrut of the Qurban? In the Azara. So therefore, if you're far away from where the Kashrut is, it's considered Chutzta Azara. So we're looking at a case between Derek Rahoka of Maaser and Derek Rahoka of now, Therefore, we don't tell the guy, go in. Hey, I'm exempt. I got the exemption of Derek Lechoka. But when it comes to a guy, it's Tameh. He doesn't have the exemption of Derek Lechoka. He's not exempt because he's far. He's not exempt because he cannot go into the other. He's only exempt because he can't eat to go around Pesach at night. Because we're talking about someone says a Tameh met, according to this opinion. And therefore his exemption is to bring it, somebody can bring it for him. His exemption is only because he cannot eat it at night. And the same thing of an Arel. The reason why an Arel is exempt is because of the way he is now, he's not able to, uh, to eat the Qurban in the state that he is. Uh, however, in the case of the Ari, he can't say, well, he's far. He can't get into the Azara. Uh, only Derek Hoka was said to a Tahor. Therefore, when it comes to Ari, what do we tell the guy? Go, Go and uh, bother yourself. You have a way to fix it. Therefore, you don't have an exemption. So, therefore, it says, He can fix himself, Daniel. The reason why he's exempt is because he cannot eat at night. There's a way for him to eat at night. How? Circumcise yourself. So therefore, the Bilyazah can answer himself that what? 
the leniency of Derech Rehokah was only said by Tehorim, but it was not said by somebody that is, let's say, a Tameh or an Arel. A Tameh, he has a different exemption. An exemption because he cannot eat at night. The Arel can't eat at night, therefore he should go mal himself. Comes again and says, wait. Be'atanya. No, sorry. Rava Amar, Rava says, Tana'ehi. Actually, this subject is a mahloket amongst the Tana'im. What's the mahloket? You see now, the Tanya. Rabbi Le'ezer says, Ne'emar rihuk makom ba'pesa. It says the word rihuk, meaning if a person is far away, rahot by kuban pesa. Ne'emar rihuk makom ba'maser. And it says also by the law of ma'aser, if a person was far away. Ma'la'lan husta akhilato, afkan husta akhilato. Just like by ma'aser. You can't make pidyon in a place where you can eat it. That's within the walls of Yerushalayim. So too, when it says Rahok of Pesach, Rahok is where? The Makom Achilato. Where is Korban Pesach eaten? Again, in the walls of Yerushalayim. So according to this opinion of Rabbi the Aizir, it's not the Azara. Rahok means outside the wall of Yerushalayim. Well, you just like by Ma'asir, when it says Rahok. You can't make pidyon in a place, sorry, the only place where you can make pidyon is a place where you cannot eat ma'asir. Where is that? Outside Yerushalayim you can make pidyon. Good. So to Pesach. Rahok pemakom achilato. Where is considered rahok? Outside where you can eat it. Where do you eat Pesach? Within the walls. Once you're outside the walls, you're considered rahok. Rabbi Yusei, Rabbi Yudaumer, Meshul Rabbi Yazid, Rabbi Yusei, Rabbi Yusei, they had a different shita than Rabbi Yazid. He says, Chutz la'asiyato. Ah, oh, that's referring to the place where you do it. Which means when it comes, we're learning from Ma'asir that what? That just like by Ma'asir Shini, you can't make the uh, pidyon unless you're outside, let's say in, in, in Ma'asir's case, it's outside Yerushalayim. The walls. Because where do you do Ma'asir Shini? You do it inside. That's where you uh, perform, let's say you eat the Ma'asir. But when it comes to Pesach, it's not referring to the Akhilah. It's referring to the Asiyah. So to where do you make Qurban Pesach? You make Qurban Pesach in the Azara. Therefore far is going to be outside the Azara. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Chutz Asiyato, Tikam linan milichuk t'ma'asir, Hachimah lalan chutz l'ekshero. Just like by Pesach. It's outside the place where it's kasher. So therefore, it's not achilat the pesach; it's asiyat the pesach. So by the way, we have a machlokin over telling Harlan to be the Aizid. What's the parameter of rahok? Is it the walls of Yerushalayim, or is it even the azara? Right outside the azara. Now, this machlok is very important because once already you see, there's already two rabbis arguing. In what the Aizir said, there could be a third opinion in what the Aizir said. Which means, maybe there's another opinion that says that the Aizir holds Lahok is the way we learned it until now. Lahok means you're actually very far, that you cannot actually get to Yerushalayim in time. By Mudi'im, like what we said. And if you learn like that, then the Aizir is very consistent. That's why in Aril, that's Aril on Erev Pesach, we tell the guy, go mad yourself. 
because he's able to visit. And really, according to the media, I said, if a guy was next to the Azara, we would also tell him, hey, Go in. But the only reason why we don't say it, because maybe there's a third opinion that holds that Ibn Izzr says that the hawk is really far. And therefore there's no option to tell the guy, Kumayin, go in. I, I can't go in. She's the Gavras bringing this mahlukat tanaim to tell you, oh, don't think that Ibn Izzr's opinion is so simple. There's already mahlukat tanaim, but Ibn Izzr holds. Is it outside the Azara or is it outside the Outside the wall of Yerushalayim. Once already you're telling me this, that she says, let, let's read that she one, two, three, four lines on the bottom. He's going to say what, I'm, what I just said. Alma, ika tanaet padiki bedirbidi aizer. Vetana de'arel shelo mal. And that tana that said, the arel guy that didn't mal gets kareh, because we tell the guy, kum mal, padik v'amad de'lo patana be'ezeh'ela be'omet chutzla modi'im. Maybe he holds the third opinion. That really is all that really the patur of Hutz is by Modi'in. Because we can't tell that guy, go in. So therefore, just like you found two opinions, could be there's a third opinion, and that's the opinion that's consistent with the rabbi that said by the Arel guy, go mal yourself. But we can't tell that by the Hutz guy, because the Hutz guy, according to that opinion, will say that Bilias holds. It's not outside the Azarah, it's not outside the Homa, it's actually. By Mudi'in. So it's the option to tell the guy, Kum Ayyir. And this Gibran continues. Keman Azla Hadamar Rabbi Yitzhak. We have a statement of Rabbi Yitzhak, Barab Yosef. Who is this going like? But Tim'i'im, when it comes to Tim'i'im, which we learned earlier in the Gemara, in this, the Perakim, if the majority of Am Yisrael are Tim'i'im, what's the deen? They can bring it on Pesach Rishon. They bring the Qurban Betum'ah. Mm-hmm. Now, where do you measure Tim'im? Who's got to be Tame? So it says, Betim'im, Halach Achar Rova Omdi Ba'azara. You count the people that are in the Azara. If the majority of the people in the Azara are Tim'im, it's considered Rov Tim'im. Implying that what? That the people outside the Azara, they're not count because they're considered Rahok. Oh, so the Gemara says, who's this going like? Keman, Kirbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, Shaman Mishum, Rabbi Yehuda. It must be going according to Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi interpretation of Rabbi Yehuda, that Rahok is Chutz, Lazara. Let's point to the Gemara. Amalur Rabbi Yosef, the Fikach. Tanya. Rabbi Yosef, Gilili Omer. Rabbi Yosef, Gilili, taught. Derech. Right? What does the Pasuk say? The Pasuk says, Derech. When the Torah speaks to somebody that has a, uh, let's say, a deferment, right? That he could bring uh, Pesach Sheni. What does the Pasuk say? That he was uh, Bederich, uh, Baderich. Right? He was on the road. So comes the Gemara and says, Tanya, Rabbi Yosegedemet, Derich, Shomeyani, Mehalech, Shenaim, Oshlosha, Yamim. Because in that Pasuk it says, Derich Rechokah. The pasuk where it's telling me, it says, uh, let's get the pasuk exactly. It says, the pasuk says, I'll give you the exact pasuk. The pasuk says, Ish ish kietamela nefesh, o bederich lechoka. Now, the fact that the pasuk says, derich lechoka, he's on a far off derich, I would think maybe it means he's two, three days away from. Yerushalayim, and what does Derech Lechokah mean? Lechokah means, he's far. So comes the Gemara and says, Shomayani ma'alak shnayim wa shoshayamim. Kishu omir ubderech lo haya. But when it comes to the case where the guy's hayaf karet, it says, who's hayaf karet? 
Somebody that was ube derech, he was not on the derech. It doesn't say derech lechoka. So there you see derech can mean any derech. Magich askupat aza ulchutz kari derech. And there you see that even out from the threshold of the aza is considered a derech. Which means, because there it doesn't say ube derech lechoka lo haya. It says if he was on the derech, which means even if he's on the most minimal of derech, meaning he's on the road, meaning outside the aza, he's considered... On a derek and he's exempt. On a guy who's bederek lo means he's in the hazara. He's in the hazara where he have no deferment. So therefore, from there you learn from the fact that it says derek over there without the word derek. It's even the most minimal of derachim. Baruch Amen. Amen.